The Age of Valor, Volume 1, Heritage, by D.E. Morris. A full cast production, narrated by Greg King. The bowels of the castle were dark and filled with stale air. It was not a place Merrick enjoyed visiting, even if he understood the necessity of it. If the dungeons were practically uninhabitable, this was even worse. He traveled downward on old stone steps, so far down that it felt as though he were moving into the center of the earth itself. With a torch in hand to help him see the way, Merrick was slick with sweat. No air circulated, and the heat and stench of dead things was making him sick. This was a place of which Laidley did not know. Tyg hadn't even known the passageway existed. It was a pathway to the very darkest part of the dungeon and a place many would run from. Seeker. Merrick paused where he stood on the long curving staircase. He was not even to his destination, yet the voice had clearly spoken. Seeker. My lord. Enter. The wall began to glow as a door was carved into existence. It swung in heavily and Merrick entered. He never knew when the door would come or where it would lead, but he never hesitated in entering. The room he walked into was nothing more than a cave. There was no distinct shape to the walls or to the ceiling. Only the floor was somewhat flat. There was nothing inside but scattered stones and boulders. No table or chairs. No windows. As an odd blue light filtered into the room from an undetectable source, a high, elevated throne phased into existence. It was large and gothic in style. The look of it mimicking a castle with its tall turrets and spires, gold and cushioned with black velvet. It was the most regal and terrifying thing Merrick had ever seen. Though no one was seated on the throne, he went down on one knee and bowed his head deeply. Seeker, too many days have passed since last you came to me. Forgive me. Laidly has been keeping me very busy. Ah, uh, yes. The voice sighed, and it felt like a soft breeze in the room. It stank of death. The young king. He has had you bowing to him day in and day out. Now you bow to me. Do you not tire of bowing, seeker? Yes, my lord. Would you not prefer to be the one to whom people bow? Yes, my lord. The hard stone floor was uncomfortable under his knee, but still he did not move. They has appointed me ruler should he perish in battle. Then it is complete, as I have asked? Yes. Excellent. I grow weary, Seeker. It is time I leave this realm. The light flickered, reflecting the weakening of the voice. Are you ready? 
Merrick lifted his head with a slight tremble. Yes, my lord. I am ready. With this power, you will have the world at your mercy and control. Fear not this battle quickly approaching. You will have an army beside you, vast in number and great in strength. The young king will die, but you will rise in his place. No matter the victor in this skirmish, it will not be the end. In you will grow a power so dark and fearful, you will be the true victor. Silence fell around him, and for a moment, Merrick wondered if it was over and he was dismissed. Just when he was about to stand, the voice ordered, Rise, seeker. Merrick rose to his feet, his gaze fixed on the throne as though the command came from the unoccupied space. The time grows close when the great dragon will return. He will claim this world for his own, and we, we must prevent this from happening. We must destroy his emissaries and take their knowledge from them. With every transference of power, our knowledge, like theirs, grows. Our powers expand. Soon, we will be unstoppable. I understand. That remains to be seen. I watched Taig. He believed he understood as well. Now ashes are all that remain of him. A light from below eliminated etchings Merrick had not seen, forming three circles around him in fluid lines and symbols glowing in a bloody light. The inner and outer circle turned slowly to the left, while the middle spun to the right, all increasing in speed. He watched them, fear surging through him with the offer of the unknown before him. There was no turning back now, and doubt filtered through his panic thoughts. What had he just condemned himself to? Would there ever be a way out? With a spark of blinding light, the circles rose out of the floor like sentient beings, spinning so quickly that their light throbbed and pulsed around the room like a drum being beaten too fast and too hard. They stopped on their own, but the throbbing did not, and then there was an explosion of light. It felt like his eyes were being seared with hot pins and the very flesh of his body being torn away by greedy, uncaring hands. He felt the tightening of the muscles of his chest as he screamed but did not actually hear his own voice. Light swallowed him whole, then exploded from deep within him. It shot in beams from his eyes, his nose, his mouth, even his fingers. It lifted him wickedly, letting him hang like a puppet with tangled strings before throwing him down callously to the hard cavern floor. After a few minutes, Merrick managed to prop himself up on his hands, panting as though coming up from being underwater for too long. How does it feel? The voice sounded different now. There was a harsher rasp to it, something that sounded labored and too long used. Merrick lifted his head slowly 
and found the throne no longer empty. An old man sat draped between the armrests like a blanket tossed there as an afterthought. His skin was sallow and thin, showing veins and bones where there was no fat to give him any weight. He wore robes that would have looked fine on a young, healthy king. On the old man, they overpowered him and looked to be crushing him with their very weight. How does it feel? Merrick couldn't be sure. For a brief moment, he had felt he was going to die. Now, as the pain flowed away from him in waves, he felt stronger with each passing moment. Standing was an expected challenge, but he found himself able to get on his feet without difficulty. He looked at his hands and ran them down his chest, as though making sure he was still there. <sighs> Strong. Strong. In what manner? In every manner. There were thoughts. Memories in his mind that did not belong to him. The things he recalled were too old to be his thoughts, and Merrick understood better what came with this transference of power. There is so much knowledge. He saw what others before him had done with their power, and excitement grew. Looking around, Merrick found a particularly large boulder and walked to it. Even wrapping his arms around it did not let his hands meet. Yet the boulder was lifted as though it were no heavier than a cup of tea. With a mighty swing of his arms, he sent it sailing across the room, smashing into the opposite wall. Hundreds of stones fell to the cavern floor as a result, and Merrick took on the stature of a man with great confidence in himself. Atop the throne, the withered old man gave a weary smile. Yes, my son. Show me what other manner of gifts you now have in your possession. Call on those that would aid you in your fight against the Gales and the Celts. He didn't know how, but understood the knowledge he sought was somewhere inside of him now. Without knowing what it was he was truly doing or saying, Merrick looked at the ground and spoke words foreign to him as though they were demands. They were thick and heavy, sounding harsh in the way they started and ended. Even before he finished, there was a change in the air. A thrill of fear ran up his spine, causing the old man to frown. Do not fear them. It is they who shall fear and obey you. It seemed as though the shadows had taken on lives of their own. Eyes glowing red and yellow molded themselves into unrecognizable faces and shapes. Merrick felt the fear leave him, as an incredible sense of power rippled through him. Each summoned being hovered at the edges of the cavern, some hulking and some shifty. There was a general air of disquiet among them. They await your orders, living or dead. None of us likes the quiet before the raging storm. Is that what they are, then? The dead? Who is to say? Does the unknown frighten you? Perhaps my choice in you was incorrect. No. No. 
I am not afraid. Teach me what it is that I am now. There is no time. If it was at all possible, the old man looked worse than when he had first appeared. He looked to be decaying. It is best to learn what it is you can do on your own. As he spoke, his form faded. Perhaps you should test your new abilities against your new charges. Merrick nodded, fighting a frown. It would serve in letting him evaluate what he was capable of, and would show these demons, if that's what they were, who their new master was. A breeze ran through the room, and without looking, Merrick knew the old man was gone. Spreading his feet to a bracing position, he decided not to draw his sword. He wanted to see what he was capable of with his bare hands alone. <laughs> now then, who wants to show me what they can do? The blue light in the room deepened and darkened as a surge of black rushed forward in one wave of motion. Merrick grinned before he was consumed. While the men and women of the Celtic Isles went ahead with preparations, so too was Laidley deep in the motions of preparing his people. It was daily that he began meeting with his privy council. Daily that reports would come in of what ships were sailing where and with how many. Merrick attended each meeting as he should, but as the days went by, he began to almost hover over Laidley, whispering things in the younger man's ear when the other men were otherwise distracted or didn't appear to be paying attention. There were rumors fluttering through court that Merrick was indeed the real force behind the war, and it was true that the commanding young prince who had decided on this course of action was changing in subtle ways day by day. Moments of insecurity had been there his first days as king. He was slow to give orders before thinking them through. Now he was becoming reckless, seemingly spitting out the first thing that came to mind when asked for direction. Oftentimes Merrick would suggest a course of action, and Laidley would easily agree. A call to arms was issued, and men came from a multitude of lesser kingdoms. There were long days filled with harsh training, and unforgiving skirmishes. Merrick was far from soft and encouraging. He demanded the best from the best. It was a week before they were to set sail for Seness that Merrick's men arrived. The weary knights stood and watched as the new fighters poured through the castle gates like black water. Hulking men with pale white faces and red eyes. Smaller men with seemingly no weight to them at all, men with misshapen hands or faces. They didn't talk, but grunted and growled, moving with an alien elegance and flowing as though pushed by the current of the wind. Some of them were not so terrifying to look at, though the others quickly realized they had the potential to be more dangerous than their uglier companions. They charmed with looks and whispered promises and when a man was vulnerable enough, he was laid out by a quick and sudden attack. This army would not be easily defeated. Where did you find them? 
It was their last night of training, and Laidley was there to inspect as much as to observe. Your Highness. Robert Draken approached Laidley and spared the older man from answering. There was something dark behind his gaze that instantly had Laidley's attention. What is it? There is a storm approaching from the west. It will be here in two days at the earliest. What does it bring us? Snow and freezing rain. It is of my opinion that we leave tonight. Laidley frowned and thought. He really wanted to wait, to have the snow with them as they sailed into harbor. It would be a fantastic effect. What if we leave the morning it will arrive? I would advise against it. Both Draken and Laidley looked at Merrick. It is a fast-moving storm, and will beat us to Sinus if we wait for morning. Merrick looked at Draken with something close to a sneer. I have also been receiving weather reports. Of course. We should leave tonight. Then we will sail in just ahead of the storm. If we sail in with it, our enemy will not be the only ones with decreased visibility. Laidley's lips curved into another frown, disappointed. He nodded to Draken. We will leave in three hours. Take care that you are not late. Your Majesty. Draken bowed deeply, casting a dark glance at Merrick before leaving their company. What was that about? Laidley turned from the men and began walking with Merrick. Your council members are jealous. They believe I have your favor. You do? This was never something I planned to hide or seek to change. You were the most trusted among my father's court. Why shouldn't you also be mine? Merrick tilted his head as he gave the young king a tight smile. Hmm. When power changes hands, the opportunity for others to rise in ranks is also a possibility. He looked over his shoulder and lowered his voice. You are young, your majesty, and easily malleable. It is not uncommon for a new ruler as unseasoned in life as yourself to be swarmed with many men fashioning for positions of power. They believe to hold such a place in the king's court would be almost to rule themselves. Then they do themselves a disservice. They came up from the armory and into the castle itself. As they walked, the house staff scurried out of the way, and Laidley Squire fell into step behind the two older men, awaiting an order. I am not some lump of clay. I will not be shaped by any hand that can get a grasp on me. Young though I may be, I am not incompetent. It will be a long night. Permit me to see to the final details while you find your chambers and rest. It was the strangest thing. Laidley wasn't tired at all. In fact, he was excited about the imminent departure and the coming battle. But at Merrick's suggestion of sleep, he felt as though his body were at least a hundred pounds heavier. A yawn passed his lips, and Laidley's brow wrinkled. I... am tired. I did not realize it until you mentioned sleep. Perhaps it would be wise to take 
just a small nap. Try not to let the worry of our journey keep you awake. I will see that everything is taken care of. I have no worry of that with you around. With a clap on Merrick's shoulder, Laidley turned for his chambers and left the older man to his business. Eight vessels were laden with supplies and crew members, dipping slowly left and right in the motion of the waves. Just before midnight, Laidley and Merrick stood on the shore watching crews bring crates off the ships while more carried on swords, pikes, and maces. It was the first time Laidley had been outside in days, having spent much of the time in strategical meetings. All his thoughts, all his plans from the council meeting had been gently dismissed by Merrick. He had better ideas, better plans, and he told Laidley so often that the younger man now fully believed him. He was beginning to believe everything Merrick told him. Laidley's sanity was leaving him in small streams as the days passed. The war, Merrick's promise of carnage, had him seeing only the battle and not what would happen after it was over. Laidley told him that he ached, almost physically, to feel his sword tear through the bodies of his enemies and to return home to a people that would always fear and love him. His greatest wish was to be loved. We're almost ready to board. Merrick turned his gaze to the ships. Within moments, the crew had all but disappeared below decks, and men started to board. He watched with dark interest. Merrick, you never did tell me where you found these others that are so willing to aid us. The older man shifted, resting a hand atop the hilt of his sword for comfort. They were ready to fight, my king, and answered the call. I thought their origin would be of little importance. Hmm. True enough. They are skilled warriors, if that worries you. As though sensing they were being spoken of, several faces turned in the direction of the two men. Despite being so far away, their gaze on him sent a thrill of excitement up Merrick's spine. They looked first at Laidley, before very plainly looking to Merrick as if awaiting an order. The nod of his head was imperceptible to anyone but them, and they continued in their assigned tasks. Laidley had obvious discomfort in their presence, but Merrick was quick to whisper it away. He assured the young king that they obeyed Merrick, and that was what truly mattered. With these strange fighters, their numbers greatly increased and gave their army more of a confidence than before. Altain was high, and in the middle of a town, it wasn't built for war. They couldn't hold against great numbers for long, and despite the time they had to prepare, Merrick couldn't have been more sure of their victory. A full day and night of travel at sea. We will be vulnerable. Only by appearance. I assure you, Your Majesty, we will be well protected. Should any attempt an attack by air or by water, we are far from vulnerable. Laidley raised a brow and looked at the older man. After a breath, he clapped Merrick and said, <laughs> If you are confident, then I am confident. Leave the worrying to me. As Laidley wandered away to find his quarters below deck, 
Merrick's fist tightened around the hilt of his sword. The young man was becoming a nuisance. This was Merrick's army, Merrick's war. The victory would be his. It behooved him to let Laidley plague King for now. But if in the end he was still standing, Merrick would have to be the one to kill him. Weeks ago, there would have been hesitance at the thought, even sorrow. Now, he practically longed for it. <laughs>